Taste it. Hey, what's on your plate? Is it good? Is it great? Come on, don't hesitate. Sit on down with the Ambuja food. When you're cooking at home, wanna set the right tone? Just pick up the phone. Sit on down with the Ambuja food. Good morning, good morning, friends. This is Wesley Wright, your Ambuji foodie. <laughs> Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Uh, it's a nice, bright Saturday out here. So I'm thankful that it's a little warm. <laughs> Very thankful, actually. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, we need some warmth. We, the spring just needs to hurry up and come, I'm just saying. It really does. There are a lot of things that I'm looking forward to re- in reference to spring. Uh, yeah, the warmth is one. <laughs> Welcome once again f- to another uh, episode or uh, of the Ambuji Foodie. As you know, this show is about food, and we're here every Saturday talking about food, uh, food topics, food justice, uh, equity, all of that. Resources within the community, uh, it's going to be no different, <laughs> but uh, there will be some interesting things that I will be talking about today, of course. Um, not that there not, it hasn't been any other interesting things on any other days that I've talked or that we've shared. Uh, but I want to first again welcome you to the show. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, or if you'd like to give a shout out or something like that, please feel free to use the phone number 651-200-3479. Again, 651-200-3479. Um, great topics today. Uh, actually, I was considering that it is Black History Month. I wanted to at least cover for the next few weeks. Um just black history well food in reference to black history and so forth so uh, today is going to one part of today is going to be quite interesting because it's going to be uh, food that was if you would eaten along the underground railroad but we'll get into that in just a moment let me once again um, invite you to sit down uh, take a few moments with me as the unboozy foodie but I wanted to also encourage you to, uh, you know, follow me on Facebook and social media and so forth. So Facebook, as you know, is the Unbougie Foodie. That's where you could find me. Uh, Instagram is the underscore Unbougie Foodie. Twitter is at Unbougie Foodie. And then I want to also invite you to uh, visit my website, too, which is uh, com. Uh, you'll be able to hear past episodes as well as uh, see articles that I've written. Um, again, promising that I'm blog- going to be blogging more or doing a whole lot more, uh, posting more pictures again. I've just been bogged down. 
but don't worry we'll be we'll be back with that we really will <laughs> um so again just take a few moments if you would your cup of coffee i have my cereal I, i'm such i'm not uh what is it um predictable it's just it was what was available i didn't have time you know you when you have a a, a animal to take care of they kind of take precedence sometimes so you got to wake up early for the animal and walk and all of that anyway i had cereal for breakfast what did you have Anyway, uh, let's just jump right in. Once again, uh, keep in mind that telephone number. So if you have any comments, questions um, that you want to share, especially on any information that you are hearing on the Unbougie Foodie, please feel free to you know give me a shout, give me a call um, so that we can have that conversation. But like I said, I want to talk about a very interesting topic and... You know, I was looking online and trying to find out what are the type of, um, I don't know, foods that would have been eaten along the Underground Railroad. And you know, there there wasn't a lot um, that I found. Uh, the information, it was very limited because, you know, um, I don't know, it, historians, maybe they probably didn't know or there wasn't any really record but they're thinking of the type of uh foods or items that were uh, available during that time period or along that time and believe me this is not we're not i'm not trying to be like negative i mean it is part of african-american history but um considering the food part um we were, I was trying to figure out what those those narratives were for um, slaves that were, you know, escaping. I'll, I'll just be real and honest with that. You know that what were there any type of autobiographies, uh, maybe runaway accounts, any type of stories that maybe were in newspapers. I know there's still a whole lot more digging um, that I could do, but what I did find there was. Um, an article that a person wrote, I believe his name is Fred Opie, um, but you could find it at fredopie.com and it talks about food or just food in general. And of course, one of the things that he mentioned was on the menu <laughs> or one of the things that were was consumed along the way was cornbread. Uh, and we, we lead into that by saying that, you know, the what he information that he found to um was that you know he talked about harriet tubman um how courageous she was but uh, the different states that they actually had to go through you know such as maryland kentucky virginia um just those are just a few but the number of times that they actually did that um was very unclear but they do know that across those different states the different types of foods or maybe foraging items that they had had an opportunity to consume. Um, it, it wasn't a lot, which would make sense, too, because um, just in history past and learning about the Underground Railroad, I mean, you never wanted to bog yourself down with food, um, you know, being weighted with anything or 
because you have to be quick and uh, i mean at any moment um in a dash you, you have to be ready to go um and as we've probably known for many <laughs> history books and learning about uh, african-american history that um, harriet tubman was not one to be messed with uh yeah she didn't play <laughs> and when it came down to we've we, you know, we got to keep moving <laughs> she was very serious um and of course if you knew the way i mean she knew the way so she wasn't going to lally gag and so forth so likewise the individuals that went along with her had to be just as spontaneous in when they stopped when they were about to leave so you couldn't have these large meals and so forth so what the article um, briefly went on to um, state was you know that they had a diet of foraged berries and herbs um small game like rabbit and squirrels um and then of course going along creeks or or you know rivers and so forth there there was fish oysters uh, potatoes, um, jerk meat. I don't know what hard tack is, but I wanted to find, I couldn't find any information on that. But, uh, but then again, what I talked about, what I mentioned before was the cornbread. And then, you know, they gave a recipe of the cornbread. I'm not going to talk about the recipe. The recipe looks good and I'm, 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 I'm hungry. <laughs> uh, but I just thought it was really, really interesting. And, you know, if it were if it weren't for the fact that um, we know how Harriet Tubman, or how the how individuals that you know went along the um, the Underground Railroad, they had to survive in some way, shape, or fashion. So, of course, there wasn't going to be any real time to you know somebody you know finds a deer or something like that and all of a sudden they're going to prepare again the whole importance of being very quick being um not really having a whole lot of things to carry or to be uh to to prepare so small game animals like rabbits and squirrels are and fish and you know starches such as potatoes that's going to give you that energy that protein that you need you know coming from the you know game and and squirrels um uh, excuse me the rabbits and squirrels um or the fish um the herbs to give it you know some type of flavor um yeah it had to be it had to be very quick it, it couldn't be anything that was you know that was hard pressed for folks to go off and, and prepare a meal. That's not what this that's not what that was about. Uh, again, I really want to find out more information on that. So I'm still doing uh, a bit of research. Um, so the upcoming weeks, I'm going to be bringing more information like that, um, if you would, to you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I just figured that it was really, really it was a really interesting. Um, thought that came to my head and considering that we are in Black History Month, how perfect is that? Um, So looking at hardtack or looking at hardtack, hardtack is described as being a biscuit. Um, It's a simple type of biscuit or cracker that's made from flour, water, and sometimes salt. So once again, 
um, it's not something that you're going to seriously be using. Uh, uh, you know, that you'll have to use leaven and something that's going to spoil. This is just something very, very inexpensive and long lasting. It was considered, what they say, uh, in the, it was used as sustenance in the absence of perishable foods, commonly during long sea voyages, land migrations, and military campaigns. So, uh, again, hard tack. And I suppose what they were, were saying a few of the questions regarding hardtack uh, was, you know, how do you how do you eat hardtack? Um, you could soak it in milk, uh, you could fry it uh, in a skillet, but you could eat it with cheese or just as they indicated with a with salt. Uh, or you can, in this case, knowing that uh, it was with that they had rabbits and uh, squirrels uh, and fish. Uh, to uh, to eat along the way that helped them with that ultimate uh, their ultimate survival uh, when they were doing uh, that you know they were going along the underground railroad I'm just gonna trying to be nice about this wording and I I shouldn't Uh, going along the underground railroad that's what they of course had the opportunity to use so uh, again it worked out well because it was a substance again that didn't require a lot of uh, preservation. Um, it lasted very, very long. Um, and it's interesting because folks are asking questions like, you know, how, can you live on hardtack? And you can. Um, and they, you know, how they've indicated here, and I'll just say in Wikipedia, if you would. Is that you could live off of it for more than three months at a time. Um, a lot of times uh, it was sailors that were on long voyages, soldiers that were at war. Um, in this case, migration of people from one country to another or in this case, from one state to another <laughs> or states. But, um, yeah, it's a good survival um, item. And the reason why it called it's called hardtack, um, it's just because, just because <laughs> they're called that. That's like I believe it was a nickname. Um, it was a nickname, but yeah, it was just described as being. They just it was just crackers that lasted for a very long time. Uh, and how it was again uh, came about. They were baked two or three times, uh, you know, and that's why it was called hard tuck. Uh, it really had no type of moisture. It just became so hard that it was really impossible to eat it without anything else. Even though you possibly could, but oftentimes you wanted to have it soaked in something. Uh, if stews or soups were available, which again, in this instance, you could have had a rabbit stew or squirrel, you know, potato, a few potatoes. You might find some onions along the way or whatever. I'm thinking of, you know, what uh, travelers on the Underground Railroad would have had been able to forage and find um, if they potatoes um 
you know, the herbs that they were finding, uh, the rabbit or squirrel. Uh, I mean, you find an onion and, you know, there you have it. Basically, you, you have a stew uh, where you could and with the water, you know, so because, you know, of course, they were traveling along maybe uh, uh, water, some type of waterways, because more than more importantly than or just as important of having actual sustenance or food, you need water. And what better way than to have water with you traveling along? Um, you could make a stew. So the hardtack itself, it, it you can eat it by itself, but a stew would be great because then you could crumble it into the liquid. Um, that right there, and the way we know that that's possible is that think about the types of soups and stews that you have a lot of times you're going to have maybe a cracker with it aren't you Uh, and when you put that in uh the the soup or whatever you're having it's going to thicken it a bit um sometimes if you're weird like me and you're having something well it could be a soup or in my case sometimes it will be A breakfast, uh, hot, uh, like malt meal, cream of wheat. I like to put bread. So I, I'm just saying, you know, when you have something like that, it thickens it. And you kind of don't need anything else. So even if they didn't have, uh, let's just say, a whole lot of other things in which to, you know, put in the stew or soup or whatever, other than maybe the, the meat and the pot- potatoes, uh, or if they didn't have that and they just had the meat, the water, you know, and hopefully some herbs and salt and so forth, that they could just put some uh, hardtack up in there and it would, you know, basically thicken that stew and it becomes a really hearty soup or stew, if you would. So how perfect is that? Anyway, that's a little bit of history in reference to hardtack. We'll find out a little bit more, you know, why it's really called that. But, uh, ah, and then there's some additional information. The British actually called it, it was a slang for food called tack. Uh, other names for it was what? Cabin bread, pilot bread, sea biscuit, uh, sea bread or ship's biscuit. But, yeah, it's, it's been uh, a war biscuit is what they've called it. But again, hardtack. I, I love it. Finding out information. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it, how to. It's almost like you want to kind of like make some hardtack and see how it tastes. There's recipes out there, so it is possible for you to to do that. If you're interested, just simply go online and look up look up uh, hardtack recipes. Again, hardtack h a r d t a c k recipe. You know, it's very interesting because here, their food.com has a quick recipe. It says it's a, and they describe it. This is a very hard and long keeping bread. Perfect as a side to hearty soups, chowders, and stews. And apparently it's been made many times because it's 
having like four or five star rating. <laughs> anyway, that's a good place to start. Food.com. You could go to Hardtack uh, or look for Hardtack and it'll give you a recipe. They make it look so pretty. They really do. Anyway. Okay. So, I don't know about you, but it's interesting that we're, I'm sorry, I'm moving on, but it's interesting, you know, when you go to the grocery store, Cub, Hy-Vee, Kowalski's, whichever ones that you go to, you know how the chicken comes in, you know, the, the packaging, comes in the packaging. And then there's this, I don't know what it's called. It's some type of foam or something uh, that I, I, it's meant to keep the, the chicken cold to a certain extent. Um, and then if, if you're not careful, you can, I don't know, it could clog your sink. And, and it's, it feels mushy. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, it freezes very well. But it, the, again, the whole the purpose of that is to keep the chicken cold, um, or or, or susta- sustainably cold. Um, but yeah, because of that whole, it could clog your sink. Purdue, Purdue Farms has a new peat, uh, meat packing foam that actually dissolves in your sink. And I thought that was just interesting to mention or to talk about. Um, it's a more earth-friendly way. Uh, you know, they have a compostable foam made of cornstarch that disintegrates under running water. Which is, see that how great that is? I mean, first off, the fact that they're using cornstarch. And that it, it actually disintegrates, you know, in your sink. Um, you don't have to worry about, you know, these, these clumps and... Honestly, they 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 don't feel very well when you're trying to clean it out of your sink. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I'm interested in why. How, how does it actually even come to be in your sink? Uh, yeah, that's that's another question. <laughs> I, I have no idea. But anyway, the company is actually taking a a. a a more active approach and making a commitment uh, in providing uh, or reducing uh, the greenhouse gas gas emissions, um, and that's per pound. Um, so a thirty percent reduction by twenty twenty is what they're promising or what they're estimating. They are, uh, I believe, they are they're a family owned business, so. From what we understand, it turned they turned 100 years um, old this year. Um, they're one of the largest chicken, turkey, beef, and pork processing firms in the United States, uh, and so you know they produce meat for several type of brands. That's uh, Purdue, Purdue Harvest Land, um, Coleman Natural, uh, Neiman Ranch. Um, yeah, I think that's a it's a great step um, for them to to take um, especially because you know right now you know we're talking about using plastics and and foams and how it's we're leaving that carbon footprint uh, and if we're finding ways in which to 
reduce our carbon footprint. Um, I think it is only it's important that uh, companies that are leading the way and kind of like producing these uh, these items that are aiding with the gas emissions, greenhouse gas emissions. Um, uh, they need to be one of the ones in the forefront uh, to make sure that they are taking steps of their own uh, to make reductions and leaving less of a carbon footprint. So I think this is a great, uh, great uh, opportunity uh, for them to you know, set an example for others. What this does, too, it helps with um, you know, dissolving a landfill. So uh, this was a, in a CNN business article. And one of the, I guess, features or characteristics of it, um, it goes on to say, is that uh, as a new compostable foam uh, could be more of a sustainable solution uh, even if folks have concerns about cornstarch going down their drains um, the foam would actually dissolve in a landfill and then it'll be first available to customers who buy online but um, you know Purdue is actually exploring ways to make that packaging across all their business um, you know so that it's totally sustainable um, they are going to be um, selling meats that are directly uh, you know, to consumers, and so they'll have that opportunity to see those that those benefits uh, of the new type of uh, foam. Um, it'll probably be a while before, I guess, you see that in the grocery stores, but um, it's a step in the right direction. Uh, it really is. So, yeah, go ahead, Purdue. So they they really are a, making it um, one of their goals so that all of their packaging is recyclable. So, again, this is one definitely one way for them to uh, move in that direction. So go ahead, Purdue. All right. You know, I am interested in meal delivery services. I, I am I, I I just feel and not just because because I'm not I'm not lazy really I'm not I think what it is is that meal aside from having a cookbook and seeing all the various types of um, meals that you could create from the cookbook um, um, sometimes a meal prep box if you would uh, or pre-made meals um, have all of the ingredients that you need. I mean, down to the spices and, you know, maybe to the smallest ingredients and whatnot. But, uh, you know, at this point, it's just kind of like, um, yeah, uh, maybe that might work for some. Maybe for many. But uh, most recently, I believe at the beginning of the year, there was an article by Vice. If you're not familiar with Vice, Vice is a really, oh, what is it? Editorial type information that allows them to talk about I, I see my one of my guests. I have a guest that's coming in, so 
<laughs> so, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I was a little bit distracted because she was trying to get inside. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, this meal, meal delivery service, you know, they did an article saying that there are a few a meal delivery service was accused of repackaging other companies frozen foods. That doesn't sound promising to me. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> um, but it's so interesting because from their investigation, Vice found that 29 of the 30 photos that um, you know they had on the, in their article, they were pulled for, uh, from other websites. Uh, and then even further, even further uh, from, uh, you know, with their investigation, they found that some of the items themselves uh, were from, uh, some of the items themselves, uh, they came from frozen I don't know, manufacturers. <laughs> so it wasn't even like, you know, they pro- a lot of times they will promise, oh, well, yeah, we are going to, we've created this fresh box for you with fresh ingredients and so forth. And you're like, okay, yeah, let's go ahead and, and get that. It's, as they say, chef prepared. Yeah, some of those chef prepared. <laughs> it was a chef from the major <laughs> frozen manufacturing company that, that's where they were getting them from. Uh, yeah. So some of these used frozen vegetables just so that they could stay supposedly fresher longer during the shipping process. Um, a lot of times they were items like burritos and tamales or, or corn. So I don't know. I have, uh, I do like to cook. I can't, yes, I use frozen vegetables and so forth, but I'm just saying in general, um, a meal prep box I don't know I have my reservations on that I really do anyway uh, I'm gonna see if we could take a small little break and we'll be right back um, yeah hold on for a second and then I'm gonna get to have two well I'll have guest or guests in the uh, <laughs> in the booth with me and we'll chat with them a little bit more Um like I said, we're going to be having a really great conversation. It will be, yeah, I'll just let, I'll let you all stew on that for just a minute because it's going to be about uh, vegan or plant-based items. So I'm going to be ready for y'all. So we'll be right with you. We'll be right back. Tune into my show, The Unboozy Foodie, each week as I offer my reviews and suggestions of new and exciting food spots in Eastside St. Paul and the surrounding areas. Saturdays at 10 a.m. only on WEQI, the voice of the East Side. Side, side, side. Say it again. Yeah. Or they can just go to www.com. Tune in. 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 Tune in.
Hi, folks, and we are back. I know that's kind of quick, right? It was just like a 30 second. <laughs> I just wanted to uh, give you a moment, a small break. There you go. Ooh. Got it? Yeah. Okay, cool. Ooh, wait a minute. Hold on. We, we'll get this. Okay. There we go. <laughs> okay, folks. We are back. We're, we're, we're working this out because, you know, I'm doing things on the fly, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, I have two, uh, as I promised, I'm going, I was going to have two uh, guests with me in the booth. Um, and they've been on the show before, and I love having them on the show because I get a chance to um, talk with them about plant-based stuff and vegan eating and vegetarian life <laughs> and all of that but it's really awesome because you know both of them are uh one is a chef powerhouse in our own right doing stuff and another is a plant-based maven that <laughs> that you know knows where to find the stuff knows where to find the stuff so let me introduce chef lachelle cunningham and Miss Nicole Pacini. Hey. Hey, hey. hey, hey. We're on the air. How Yay. Um, I want to encourage those that are listening out there or are interested in listening to the show. Uh, please visit www.tunein.com and then search for WEQY. You'll be able to listen to the show uh, live, stream the show live if you would. Um, but you could always download the TuneIn app as well. And, you know, wherever you go and your mobile devices, take it along with you. Listen as you're driving in your car, whatever, however you do it. But, yeah, we're going to have conversations. <laughs> conversations. Okay, so I've asked these ladies here because over the past few weeks, I have just had been having this idea of, okay, ooh, what you doing, lady? <laughs> Sorry, y'all. <laughs> She's getting together. <laughs> They're getting together. Okay, That's sorry. good. I That's fine. That's fine. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Just> fine. <laughs> um, I've been talking about having conversations about um, plant-based lifestyles, um, and believe it or not. Um, trying to figure out what is the best way for a person to actually move into that. And I'm doing saying this for personal reasons too, because more and more I'm finding that, you know, I'm seeing the changes in people, you know, how they're feeling better about themselves, the whole weight loss process and everything, you know, that all, almost comes like naturally without even doing anything. But I know that there's still work that you need to do along with that. There's exercise and activities and so forth. But um, as some of us are getting older, <laughs> we tend to have How old these... are you, Wesley? Really? Wow. Oh. <laughs> I am 50. You're 50. I'm going to be 51. Nice. So, um, yeah, these little aches and pains and knee here and Ooh, shoulder this. Yep, and... who you telling? <laughs> yes, the hips, the side, the hips. Oh, man. My knees. Yes, the knees and the hips. So, ladies, um, being the experts that you are in these areas um i guess i want to start off by asking you chef lachelle um 
what's a what's a great way for someone to actually move into that role if you would do you you know yeah, what i mean yeah, or that lifestyle not that role i'm sorry the lifestyle i mean i would say first of all one of the the first thing we got to do is kind of get our heads out of this these labels just let's get the labels out stop the label it's really just about your health and like trying to do what's best for you so first and foremost you need to kind of pay attention to what you are eating and how it's making you feel right. sometimes we eat things and then later we have some sort of reaction we don't connect it to that is to our actual food oh i got a headache oh my stomach hurts or oh you know i might even have an ache or a pain somewhere and it might be directly related to something that you've eaten you might have a food sensitivity you allergy or something just doesn't agree with you for various reasons so i would say first just like figuring out what you're currently eating and how that's impacting you and then I don't know that I don't believe in like, you know, just ripping the bandaid off necessarily. Right. I think there's levels to it. So I think, you know, just trying to incorporate more whole foods into your diet, more plants, more fruits and vegetables, more locally sourced things as much as possible, more uh, things that somebody made from scratch. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, preferably you in your house. You know what I mean? But I know some of us um, don't always like to cook, so they depend on, you know, <laughs> other people who can cook. So, um, you know, just paying attention to what's in the food, you know, like when you're going to wherever you're going, whether it's a restaurant right. or to the grocery store, read the labels, read the ingredients, like, you know, know what's in there. And so I would just say awareness is probably the first step of, you know, just yourself, your habits, what you're doing, and then trying to incorporate healthier things into it. And the more healthier things that you incorporate in, the less room you have for the other things. Cause there's, you know, only so much you can pack in, right. you know, in the at the end of the day. So that's what I would say to start with. Understood. Mm -hmm. um, that's just my, you know, I don't, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> so you, know. uh, you are a chef. <laughs> that's an important yes. thing right yes. there to start off with. Yes. Uh, Miss Nicole Pacini. Hey there. How are you? I'm good. Okay. What are your, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Cause I know that you are a person that is, um, you know, uh, really, truly living a plant-based lifestyle. Yeah, man. Uh, what was your starting point? Or is that a fair question? That or? is an absolute fair question. Okay. So I started 2017 January. Hold that for me, Michelle. <laughs> so I started. I started January 2017. Okay. I did a 50-day vegan challenge. Okay. That's how I got started. So I was vegan-ish. Remember? Yes. I was like still eating cheese, still eating eggs. Couldn't quite get rid of those types of things. But I agree with what Lachelle is saying. Get rid of the labels. Mm. Like just know your body. When you remove all that stuff from your body and you start putting it back in, then you start to see, oh, that's, what that's giving me a headache. Right. I haven't had a migraine. I used to have really, really bad migraines. And when I stopped eating meat, the dairy, all that, my migraines went away. The inflammation went away. The extra mucus went away. And so it's just all about starting from scratch. Like, you kind of got to pull the Band-Aid off mm -hmm. and then just start incorporating stuff kind of <laughs> back into your diet so that you can see. The stomach issues is another thing. 
Um, we don't realize that we're sensitive to a lot of the foods that we eat. They can even be the fruits and vegetables that mm-hmm. just don't agree with you. Right. So for me, dairy was a huge issue, but I was still eating the cheese, the Alfredo, the noodles mm-hmm. and the pastas and all that. And every single time, mm. stomach, oh, got to go to the restaurant, right. be back, back, you know. Um, so now I really have to limit all those things from my diet. I sleep better, have better bowel movements. That's a lot of things we don't want to talk about. You know, you should be having them after every meal. Um, a lot of us don't. We should be drinking enough water. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like all that. So start, for me, I started with a challenge. Understood. Challenge myself to do it for 50 days. And then after the 50 days was over, I still continued on with the same type of lifestyle. So three years into the making, I'm plant-based Veganish still. Okay. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And thanks to Lachelle, I eat really good. Because <laughs> she's the bomb. And she just made some good greens the other day with some purple cabbage, mm-hmm. some grilled squash, mm-hmm. some black eyed peas. Oh, my countenance is dropping yes. right now. Yes, okay. You didn't get any. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, you got to keep up. You uh, know? Well, yeah. I mean, Folks are busy, so I'm I not know, just gonna be are. like constantly fo- poking somebody. What you doing? She what are you does? cooking today? I mean, I do. Okay, hey, well, well, that's the choice. You make that choice. <laughs> she told me she would make some black eyed peas for Black History Month. Oh, and she did. Yes. Right. And then she sent me pictures, and I was like, oh. I'm coming by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Basically, yeah. that's how we do. Look, I was like, we couldn't even get a time that was actually going to work. So I was like, well, I'll just put you a, a care package outside. Well, dang. It's cold, you know. You, It'll preserve. You yeah. can reheat it. <laughs> well, dang. Well, well, I don't know. We, we'll talk about that after. Off, off air. <laughs> right? So I can be like, okay, I'm not trying to bug you, but um, I'm interested. Yeah, every okay. now and then, you could put me a care package outside. Okay. I'll swing by or whatever. I'll know that. I'm interested. I am. There are some other because we're talking about plant based stuff, and I'm interested in it. Um, I want to get your opinion on some of these, like Impossible Burgers, or some of these other things. What do you? What are your your thoughts on that? Either one, ladies. Either one. What do you feel? Lachelle really doesn't eat that way. Okay. I mean, I want you. While, you have. She, she has, but she really, yeah. she really doesn't. Because you're. I mean, you're a chef. You're, I'm like, you're gonna make your own stuff and be like, right. I'm gonna do this better yeah. at home or do yeah. it. Not have to have that. Well, we tried some chicken one time, and it was really not good. It wasn't the way to go. It, was it wasn't the way tasted to go. like fried bread. Oh, boy. Because it's just gluten. You know, yeah, it's like wheat gluten, just yeah. sweet gluten and soy with seasoning. Uh, yeah. Oh, boy. But um, so I've tried the Impossible Burger, Beyond Burger, mm-hmm. um, things like that. And I wasn't a huge meat eater in the first place. So I think that's important for people who are um, – adjusting to their new lifestyle to maybe go and eat those plant-based type of alternatives. For me, I didn't like it in the beginning. I was like, I'm not eating that. That's gross. I don't want to do it. But over time, I've wanted to try different things. And so I've tried those burgers and they're really, really, really good. I was actually impressed. They're really Uh, good. I was, uh, and I know this is joking, but I literally, I, I had it before I came to my show and Today? No, no, no. Oh, this okay. was a few weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago. But I thought I was confused. I literally thought they confused my 
food with somebody else's because this <laughs> this is meat right. and yeah, i was yeah. like no this is really not mm-hmm. you know this is actually i mean you could definitely tell the difference of course but at the same time what really helped me to appreciate that it was is the way that my stomach because a lot of times when I do have red meat, I do have kind of a little bit of an issue if it's not cooked a certain type of way or whatever. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I could, my stomach is tell, talking to me or whatever. Having that, I was like, I waited like three hours and nothing. Right. And I was like, hmm. this is interesting. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm going into asking this question or these questions too because another place is about to go vegan <laughs> this is just weird which it's kfc no thank you <laughs> i so i i don't really know what to expect but they're doing it as a trial um yeah it's they're using beyond meat okay. um yeah and i i think they started last week uh, not last week, last August, and it just was about seventy locations, and they're trying to build up to getting to more places. Um, and those seventy locations were like Nashville and Charlotte, you know, so forth. What, is that something that you would even? So here's my thought <laughs> and take on the vegan meat, uh, please, because I, I want to hear. You know, I mean. I think they have their place. I have a good friend, a chef friend of mine, Robin Asbell. She's a vegan mm-hmm. chef. She made a whole cookbook on plant-based meats. And so I even agree with like that route even more when you're making it yourself at home because you know what's going into it. But I just, once we start going down the lane of processed foods, like to me, it's, it, it just is like colonization, yeah. um, oppression, um, uh, you know, like people, you know, it's not a sustainable, um, you know, aspect of, of, of health for the like community. And so like, you know, people are thinking about plant-based and vegan and even vegetarianism as like a way of being healthy. Right. So then now you're going to turn KFC into that. Like, I don't <laughs> like, let K- I, I get it. But it's like a way to monopolize on health. Right. You know what I mean? And so I that's just a great point. that's that's the part that I don't agree with it. How corporations are getting rich and there's still a food food insecurity and people that, you know, feel are or have been um, conditioned or educated to believe that they can't afford to be healthy. You know what I mean? We think that we um, have to go and buy like processed food because it's cheaper when actually it's cheaper to cook and eat from scratch. Um, you know, and everybody, maybe beans and rice aren't always sexy. So now we want to grind it up and turn it into a burger, like be my guest. And that's great. But like, just let's just think about like the purpose of why we're doing it. Now, mind you, if I'm on a road trip and we done drove <laughs> for like 20 hours and all we pass by is a KFC uh, and they got a vegan option, like, <laughs> you might, you might I'm, consider I'm probably going to like eat that. So don't get it twisted. And, and mind you, I don't consider myself any labels of anything. I, you know, if anything, I would say I'm plant based. But I still eat what I want to eat, and I don't want nobody judging me for what I eat. And I don't right. even want to have a whole conversation about what I eat and, 
my decisions about food, but I do like to have the conversation about health and right. about like what, you know, how like nutritional healing, you know, what we're eating and how it's healing our bodies. And, you know, there's a whole lot of conversation behind that. There's a whole lot of um, story behind everyone's, you know, food experience exactly. from how we grew up and our relationship with food, whether those experiences are traumatizing or empowering, liberating, whatever it is, um, and what, what we do with that and how we, you know, move forward and how that impacts our health on a physical, mental, you know, uh, uh, even spiritual level. And then how are, how is that, you know, vibrating out and how are we impacting each other through that, you know? And so I'm going off on some no, whole no, 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 show's no. over it's now. Yeah. It's we can all go home That's it. I know. All. I'm just saying. So, you know, there's just a deeper level to it when it comes to eating and food um, that, that's more than just, you know, making sure that I satisfy my need for meat, you know right. what I mean? And satiating my taste buds and making sure, you know, because ultimately these things, fat, sugar, salt, they're addicting, right? right. <laughs> they are addictions that we end up creating. And so we just have to make sure we're creating a balance with our, what we're eating. I wouldn't say always eat well, any, any one particular thing, you know, although, you know, people like maybe Dr. Sabi or like super health conscious people might say, you know, like eliminate the less you eat, you know, like eat just one thing. And that's really another way of thinking about health and eliminating mucus from your body and Interesting. preventing dis-ease and all of those types of things. So in so, having conversations uh, with folks, you know, and what happens when, how would you respond? And I think we, I mentioned to this to uh, Ms. Nicole before, um, I wasn't doing it out of malice, but someone said, uh, someone posted something about vegan pork. What is that? And, <laughs> well, 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 that's why I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. I, not in a bad way, but I'm just like, vegan well, what? Bacon? Well, like, what's next? You know, it's like here we had here we're talking about Beyond Fried Chicken, and so the the, the vegan pork. Com, um, thing or conversation occurred even before I found this whole Beyond Fried Chicken, and so you know someone that responded was very aggressive and uh, just felt that you know they wanted to chastise me because you know I was making it seem as though I were turning off people from you know going you know having a plant based or living a plant based lifestyle and and everything and. You know, that's that's not even what I what this show is about, and what I'm, or my intention was. Right, exactly. Um, I kind of even said I, without going to that route of well, I have friends that are vegan or vegetarian or plant based or whatever. <laughs> but I was just like I said, I I myself am kind of interested in you know going that route. I mean, it's sometime in the very near future. But for the moment. It just seemed like what what's next? You know, we have vegan this, vegan that, or a plant based this, and well, I, I meat is different, so I don't know. I mean, first it's the beef, now it's pork, and now we have Beyond Fried Chicken or whatever. How far is this going to go? What type of responses do you give, or can you give a person that wants to come at you in that manner, or how would you? 
that if, wants to come at you in the manner of criticizing yeah. your your desire to go plant based, well, or uh, just that, that your perspective might just dis- be dismay dissuading people. Oh well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I know for, it's so easy to say, well, don't even care because they don't even really understand what your show is about or what you're talking about personally. They're not understanding a backstory of of anything. They just saw one comment. And they took it in a way of he's being negative, you know, whatever. And maybe that probably is the route that I need to take. But Was this person yes. vegan? Yes. Vegans vegans are very cruel people. Oh. <laughs> no, seriously. No, it, yeah, it's 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 like a it's it's a movement, that. it's like this cult lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, almost like a religious cult. Mm. Like a real vegan. Like well, don't wear leather. People get lost in any one thing. They make it usually yeah. make it a tendency to like use it as a way to <laughs> elevate themselves. Yeah. and which as soon as you're elevating yourself among a bit uh, higher than someone else, then you can start looking down on them. You know, for whatever and being judgmental. So I would say to that, yeah, like you ain't got time. Mm. Don't like, do that. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> why she, that's why the label thing is important. Okay. Like to get rid of the labels. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have these conversations with folks. Like oh you're vegan, oh you're pescatarian, mm. oh you're this, oh you're that. It's like nah, I just kind of eat what I want when I want, right. you know. And that's really the most important thing. Yeah, and I think that's what like when I said about the food story. Like everybody has a food story, so and it can be connected to a whole lot of other you know things within why you live your life the way you live right. your life, why you eat what you eat, why you don't eat what you don't eat. Some people have anxiety around certain foods or eating. You know, there's a whole lot of, there's like a whole spectrum of, you know, so I think everybody just needs to kind of stay in their lane and worry about themselves. You know, what they say, worry about, about yourself. Worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. You know what funny. I mean? And so, I mean, I don't know. That's what I would say to that. But I think that you know one of the one of the things I, I'm gonna get back up on my soapbox, but I just think it's just about like knowing where your food is coming from, right. and that's and we just don't know where our food is coming from, especially when we start you know going down these lanes of uh, of processed meats and even the meat itself, like actual meat. Right? We don't even know where oh, that's coming from. It was being right. pumped into that. And, I mean, you can watch What the Health and <laughs> right. get totally turned off from the whole thing, you know. But at the same time, there's a whole food system, right? There's a whole system of of food that, like, we have lost track of as people, as, as a society, as a community. And so, you know, it, it, it has a very grave impact on our health, ultimately. I appreciate um, all your inputs. Go ahead. I want to just add something um, as in regards to not just what we consume internally, internally, but what we consume externally. So thinking about our cleaning products, thinking about our skincare products, the toothpaste that we use, the toilet paper that we use, the sanitary products that we use, you know, all of that can be encompassed in plant-based when you think about those type of things so toxic products in your home is no good Mm -hmm. toxic products on your skin is no good 
the water that you drink that's toxic is no good. I mean, the air we breathe is toxic. But <laughs> right. I'm, 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 toxic. Everything is toxic. But what I'm saying is that the overall lifestyle of eating a plant-based diet is just not internally, it's mm-hmm. externally as well. And so when you start to think about how you feel, it's not just all about what you put inside mm-hmm. of your body. Mm-hmm. Like, how does your skin feel? Like, right. do you have, are you allergic to certain products mm-hmm. that are toxic? You know, like, think about the ingredients. Every time you read the ingredients, all these 16, 17-letter right. words, like, what is that? <laughs> oh, my goodness, I have a story about that. So what I, is that? I use coconut oil as lotion, as hair moisture. Like, that's and coconut And she puts oil. it in her mouth yeah, and, and, I, I, and does the oil pulling. Oil, like, yes, it's the cure-all, right? <laughs> so, you know, so I don't really use lotion, but I was at the store... Some store, grocery store, pharmacy, whatever. Lotion. And it was the lotion. It was the <laughs> lotion aisle. And I was like, look at all that pretty lotion. I want I want some lotion. Let me go see. So I went looking at the lotion and all the pretty bottles. But, of course, I picked them up and read the ingredients. Right. And I'm like, okay, alcohol, alcohol. Why the hell the lotion got Dry alcohol in it? Dry your like, skin out. To keep buying I the lotion. Every <laughs> lotion. Even the pretty green leafy looking ones that look like they got plants in them, and they probably they maybe they do they got alcohol. Like yes, why? dude, why, why? So water, you know, water and alcohol. Water and alcohol. Yeah, right. So I'm about to, yeah. So I'm just I was like I guess I'm gonna stick to my stick to my Her coconut, coconut life. I coconut put a little shea life. butter in there, you know, yeah. when it gets cold in the winter time and it's a little more dry, but um. I know what's in it. It's just coconut oil. It's Dang, just ladies. shea butter. <laughs> you know? Truth. Dropping all this type of knowledge and everything. <laughs> ladies, thank you all so much for dropping by the show today. I really do appreciate it. Just taking the time to have the brief conversation with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, very very much uh, we are coming to near the end of the show and I really want to give you all the opportunity just briefly to uh, drop some uh, social media so shuffle show want folks to follow you do what yeah why don't you follow me uh, on Facebook and Instagram under Lachelle Cunningham and Shell's Kitchen LLC you can find all of that good stuff and then check out my website LachelleCunningham.com whoops whoop Miss Nicole <laughs> Miss Nicole, uh, I am Minneapolis entrepreneur. Entree. Entree, not entre. Get it? Get it? Entree. Right. Y'all stop that using food. my hashtag. They be using Minneapolis entrepreneur, mm. thinking it's, you know. Your, your. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> stop using Minneapolis entrepreneur. Yeah. Make sure you take the other E off. Anyway, right. so Minneapolis entrepreneur is my handle on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you all so much for being here. Thank, Thank you, Wesley. Thank you, the unbougie foodie. Oh, okay. Lord. Thank you all so much for tuning in. As always, uh, you know, as I end every show, I want to thank you for being here. But also, remember, uh, don't let anyone ever tell you what type of foodie to be because really, food are the stories and experiences that connect us all together. And that's important to remember. Until next time, people, peace. Unbougie food day.